0: Good morning. 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 I offer my greetings uh, to those that have already been offered and glad that you're here on this Sunday after Christmas. You need to know that I volunteered to be here today. <laughs> I'm not just the reserve preacher or the assistant or the director. I actually volunteered to be here today. And I'm excited to be here. And as I've told the contemporary service at one time, this is me being excited. (laughs) If you've known me over the last several years, you know that I'm kind of a vanilla kind of person. Someone once asked me, do you have a pulse? And I didn't know whether to punch him or to thank him. But I'm glad that we can be here today on this Sunday after Christmas. I found a poem entitled, December 26th. A BB gun, a model plane, a basketball, an electric train, a bicycle, a cowboy hat, a comic book, a baseball bat, a deck of cards, a science kit, a racing car, a catcher's mitt so that's my list of everything that Santa Claus forgot to bring I hope that you don't have that list I hope that you enjoyed your Christmas with your families and you celebrated giving and receiving of gifts what is your Christmas timeline in our house, it usually starts the Friday after Thanksgiving and lasts through New Year's Day. We would start getting out the, the decorations, starting putting up. And yes, we have a fake tree. And, we put, and, and people in Vermont couldn't understand that when we lived in Vermont. But we put our Christmas tree up. And we've had it for 36 years, and it looks pretty well. And we start that the day after Thanksgiving and go through New Year's Day. Now in Vermont, the outdoor lighting may have stayed up until spring, depending on the weather. Christmas consumes a lot of time, energy, with the shopping, the decorating, the parties, the, the preparations, the Christmas programs, all of that, that are a part of what we do this year's Christmas stress officially ends today and you have 365 days (laughs) until next Christmas so that should make you feel just a little bit better when the carols have been sung the meals have been prepared The gifts have been given, and the church programs have been presented. What do we do next? Advent and Christmas are not just events that we celebrate every year, neatly packed away and brought out at the appropriate time. The celebration of Advent and Christmas encourage, empower, and equip us to live our lives every day to the honor and glory of God. And our scripture reading brings clarity to the what's next question. Follow along as I read Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which entangles so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share today thoughts concerning what is ahead for us now that Christmas is over. I pray that you would use my words uh, when, as, they are, as, as they are true to your words. And I pray that you would guide and direct us and open our hearts and minds to receive from you this morning the message that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. From these verses in Hebrews 12, I have identified four concepts or four key phrases that could give us direction on where we go today the day after Christmas, the day that we tend to pack things away. Number one, identify our by-faith statements. Number two, know our strengths and weaknesses. Number three, keep our eyes on Jesus. And number four, recognize and experience the joy of following Jesus. You've likely heard before that, that when a verse begins with therefore, you need to figure out what the therefore is therefore. And when we read in, in the first verse of chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we only need to turn back a page or look, look behind and look to chapter 11. 11, chapter 11, 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. The rest of the chapter is full of by-faith statements. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By faith, Noah constructed the ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called by God. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. And the list continues with Jacob and Joseph and Moses and the entire nation and Rahab. Thinking through those by faith statements, what might be your by faith statement? What would be something that you would be known by? What is something that, that drives your heart? And you could say, by faith. I would encourage you to think about that. I would encourage you to explore that. Some of my by faith statements might be, by faith, I responded to God's call in my life in a small church in Wilmington, Delaware. By faith, I changed my major from forestry to biblical studies. My intention was to to take two years as a forestry major and transfer to Duke University and be their walk-on punter and kicker. That didn't happen. By faith, I changed my major. By faith, I knew that after 26 years in Vermont, God was stretching me for something new, in my life by faith we move to San Antonio excited for what God has in store for us what might be your by-faith statements it could be exciting uplifting and empowering and equipping for you to do some spiritual inventory to think through What has God accomplished in your life by faith? Where have you taken that step out of your comfort zone, knowing that God was leading you? The next part of the verse, I would say, challenges us to know our weaknesses and identify our gifts. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the the race that is set out before us. What is it that slows you down? What is it that weakens you? What is it that, that gets in your way of accomplishing what God wants you to do? And if you can't think of something, then look to your spouse. They'll have a whole list for you. And then work at communicating together without getting defensive and sharpen each other for the race ahead of you. What does your race look like? Jesus has given you gifts for your faith journey. Jesus has equipped you for the race. I don't believe that he expects us to learn some new skill or some new thing in order to be completely used. But what he does is that he makes us, what he does want for us is to be completely surrendered and searching to do his will. I think it was the summer of 1978 while leading a group of teens on a Youth for Christ convention in Ocean City, New Jersey. I was challenged to identify my spiritual gifts and commit them to Jesus. The speaker was Ron Hutchcraft. He was the director of Youth for Christ in North Jersey. And as he was sharing with me, I felt like I was the only one in the room and probably eight or 900 teens that were gathered there for the breakaway conference he instructed us to speak out loud to God, saying, I give you my ability to blank. That was a ministry and life-changing moment for me. And as he led us, I I said out loud, I give you my ability to love. And God has manifested that in my life and ministry. And my, I've seen my love for people grow from that day forward and has become a focal point for my life. What is it that comes naturally for you? What is it that you could speak out loud to God and say, I give you my ability? To blank and see him multiply it in your life for his kingdom purposes what might that be and this may be the touchy-feely moment in the service that makes you uncomfortable but I would invite you to say along with me these words and then you fill in the blank because I'm not gonna fill in the blank for you and if you feel comfortable and if you don't feel comfortable, say it in your head or whisper, but everybody in the room, I would hope, is thinking through what might be that thing. So say together with me, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. I give you my ability to... I look forward to hearing from you as, as how... No, you can stop repeating <laughs> I changed mode on really quick. But I look forward to hearing from you how God uses what you just gave to him. And that's the beginning point of running that race, knowing what you're focusing on, and then giving it to Jesus. The next is keeping your eyes on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and protect and perfecter of our faith. The Greek words, and I don't claim to be a Greek scholar, but I did take elementary and intermediate Greek in college, and I did study Greek in seminary, and was probably my favorite language. And I'm kind of excited and, and nerdy about the way these ties make. And sometimes I could be off, off base, out in right field or left field. But it's exciting to me as we can understand the relationship of language, the relationship of words, and how they tie, tie together and bring us back to certain circumstances in the history of the church and the message of God. But the Greek words here that are are translated founder and perfecter could also be beginning and end, creator and finisher, first and last. These are all concepts that are connected to Jesus. And as we've been spending time in John 1 over the last few weeks, when it says he he was, yeah, he was, he created by him, all things were created. That's the same word as author. And then in John 19, when Jesus cries out from the cross in victory. It is finished. That's the same word that's connected with perfecter. Jesus both created and finished. And when he cried out from the cross, it is finished, that wasn't a cry of defeat. That was a cry of victory. And so Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith, he is the founder and protector. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He knows you. He created you. And he is perfecting you. How is he using you? He defines what we do, how we do it. He leads and guides us. And he empowers and equips us for how he wants to use us in the lives around us. And then fourthly, recognize and experience the joy of following Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I can't say this from experience, but what I think of when I hear this, one thing comes to mind. Childbirth. I want to experience that secondhand. When you say um, enduring, despising the shame or despising the consequences, I can't imagine anything that requires more love and more understanding than a woman who goes through childbirth and then wants to do it again when my daughter Lauren my wife was in labor with my daughter Lauren she was he kept looking at me and saying this is going really well but we're not going to do this again <laughs> but there's a love that comes after that that I don't know if it makes you forget about what you went through, but it, it, it makes what you went through worth it in your hearts and lives. Now, man, we don't have that. We don't have that, but we have watched our wives go through that. Jesus recognized the joy that was ahead for him and he was willing to endure that, knowing he was willing to endure the cross, knowing its pain and suffering, and knowing what he was going to go through, not only to be seated at the right hand of God the Father, but because of his love for us. Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to endure the cross. There was joy in, the, the, there is joy in following Jesus. But there also may be pain and suffering. Jesus told us there would be. However, that joy in Jesus outshines Everything. In moving forward, as we leave Advent and Christmas behind, recognize that joy of following Jesus. Now that Advent and Christmas are over, we don't, need, we don't pack everything away sitting back and waiting for the moment, the day after Thanksgiving in our house, that we unpack it all again. But we move forward, encouraged, empowered, and equipped by understanding our faith, understanding the witnesses. First press is what first press is today because of 175 years of witnesses that are behind us. Knowing our strengths and our weaknesses and giving them to Jesus for him to use, and then keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus every step of the way. There's a reason that in most sports, they say, keep your eye on the ball. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, because when we are fully looking at him, then we can endure the struggles around us. And then recognizing and experiencing the joy of following Jesus. I think it's a kid's song that says there's joy in following Je- in serving Jesus. We say that, but do we believe it? Do we know it? Do we understand it? Let's look forward together as the body of Christ that we call First Presbyterian Church to the joy of serving Jesus in the year to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for what we learn from celebrating Advent and Christmas. But protect us from holding on so tightly to the traditions and the excitement that we lose sight of what you want to accomplish in our hearts and our lives. Guide and direct us as we move forward from this day, the day after Christmas. Help us to be completely surrendered to accomplish your will in our hearts and lives, and use us for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.